Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Gabby. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 508. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I was going to say we're going to dive deep, but we're really not. We're going to scrape the surface of something called the Enneagram. But it might feel like a deep dive for some. Yeah, it might be. Um, so I'm excited. I just kind of did my notes. and. Well, it's you just said that, you know, our... Um tagline, you know, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And this is a self-understanding tool. Mm -hmm. So we have been, we've talked about this a lot over the years, but in recent days, when I say over the years, not necessarily on Zen Parenting Radio, but Todd and I refer to it a lot. Um, and we're starting to do this with our, with Team Zen. Yes. Um, which is our, you know, our virtual group. Um, so we just thought, why don't we discuss this on the show? Because I know that there's a lot of people out there who do the Enneagram. And we're going to scrape the surface. And if you, if what, if you like what you hear today, it might, uh, you might want to just join teams in for the next few weeks because, you know, just to try it out. And then we're also going to have John Duffy on teams in eventually sometime in the yes. next month or so. Well, actually, yes, we are. Um, to that end, mm -hmm. next week, it's going to be a different show. It's going to be us interviewing John Duffy about his new book. Yes, and it's a two-parter. And I think the week after, it's going to be the second half of that interview. Yeah, it's a really good interview. So what's his book called again? Oh, I'm, it was you're, down you're here. You're catching me off guard. I it have was, it upstairs. It's um, Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety. Yes, I, that then, just then came into a, my head. And then there's a subtitle there, but right. I don't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> so, so two different things that Todd's talking about. Next week and the week after that, we're going to play you our interview with our friend John Duffy. And then on our ZPR on podcast. ZPR, so that's for everybody. And then for those of you who are on Team Zen or choose to join Team Zen, John Duffy is going to come on as a guest, and he's just going to answer your questions. Yeah. It's just a, like a low key discussion where we're just going to, you know, you get like access to him. And just to give you a preview of what we talked about with Mr. Duffy, I'm sorry, Doctor Duffy. Doctor. I don't, I don't want to offend him because you know how easily offended he, he doesn't gets. get offended very easily. Um, emotional bank accounts, Snapchat. James Charles, these are some of the things we talked about. Booze, weed, family secrets, identity traffic, mm, which is I a term that. I never mm -hmm. used. It's in his book. How worlds collide, and I play a clip from Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, gaming, Instagram, we went almost uh, two hours with him, mm -hmm. which is why we're breaking it up into two. So anyways, that's going to be off the hook. Don't forget, we're going to be teaching at 1440, October 25th through the 27th. We would love to see you there. We're going to talk about self-awareness, mindfulness, parenting in this day and age, sex, drugs, rock and roll, anxiety, alcohol, you and name it. for those of you who don't know where 1440 is, it's in California. Yeah. So for those of you, um, I think we've always, the stats we've always seen is the majority of people who listen to Zen Parenting are in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And the second most amount of people are in California and then Portland and then New York. That's right. The, the coasts. Yeah. They like us on the coast <laughs> and in the middle of the country. Sure, of course. Those are just the most. So that's why well, I was and saying. probably California because it's a pretty damn big state. Right. A lot of so people there. That's where 1440 is. Yeah. Um, and then last, I want to just give a plug to the Tribe Men's Group, which is a men's group I run. Uh, we have an in-person meeting tomorrow night. We are actually partnering up with My Block, My Hood, My City this Saturday. Nice. Um, we're going to have some volunteers there helping out uh, and uh, going to West Englewood, where we'll be helping uh, 
transform a block in their community. Is Jamal going to be back? I don't know if Jamal's going to be there, but Casey's going to be there. But yes, so uh, the tribe is starting to kind of get a little more philanthropic. And then we have a virtual meeting on uh, September 11th. So those are a few things. So just for those of you who don't know what my block, my hood, my city is, last uh, last year at our conference, um, Jamal was one of our speakers and he's the one who started my block, my hood, my city. Um, and basically he is a, a speaker and, oh, sorry, Todd, I know you don't like that. That's okay. Um, a speaker, an activist, um, a role model, a fantastic human being yes. um, that Todd and I respect a, a great amount. And he's doing so much work in Chicago. So what do you guys do? Do you, you, what do you do in Inglewood? Uh, we go to a block okay. and we're there with other volunteers. It's not just tribe men's group and we help them clean up one block at a time. And so can anybody yes. do that? You can go to tribe men's group to uh, go to tribe men's group org. Uh, to RSVP. And then uh, Mike, who Mike Rosen, who's leading the charge, is going to tell Casey how many volunteers we have that's coming. Fantastic. Good for you. Um, and we have a retreat in January, and uh, that's filling up quick. Um, so, oh, uh, and next week, not only are we introducing Duffy, we're introducing our conference. Yes. So Zen Parenting Conference 2020 um, launch is next Tuesday. So we're going to tell you who our speakers are. We're going to tell you our theme. We're going to tell you what we're focusing on, why we chose it. Yeah. And we are also going to, you'll be able to get early bird tickets. Yes. And just like previous years, this is big for for everybody, meaning mom, dad, mom and mom, dad and dad, teens, yes. therapists, educators. Grandmas. Grandmas, gran- grandpas. Strangers. Strangers, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just, not, want... just not little kids, unless you have an infant. Right, infants are fine. Bring an infant, but uh, I love you, five five year olds, eight year olds. It's just not for them. Unfortunately, two and above, they'll be miserable. Yeah, and you'll be miserable. But if you obviously are nursing or have an infant, of course. Yeah. And then um, teens, basically teens, we mean twelve and up. Yes. Um, Duffy would say the new teen is eight and up. I know he would. But eight we'll to twenty-two, s- I think he. Yeah. Is. But we'll say twelve and up. Um, and then pop culturing, we're going to come out with one not this week, but next week, yeah. and it's going to be Shawshank Redemption. Yes, sweetie. What is the Enneagram? So the Enneagram, um, basically. It's interesting because we've been um, talking about this on Team Zen, and initially, I think people thought it was just a personality test. Correct. You know, like, this is just a way that, you know, we can, you know, tell what our personality is, but really, it's um, a map of human consciousness and archetypes. Wow. How's that? I like it. So let me give you a little bit of um, history. So it was... um, it was brought to the public in 1915, so that's how long it's been around. Um, I won't bore you with all the names and the people, but basically each personality type can be found in What cycle. was the year? 1915. Oh, and I think there's even like, even previous. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah, it was brought when. to the public, Got you know, it. like where it became like a thing. Like officially yeah, something. Okay. Exactly. And it says it was in Moscow. Okay. That it was, and again, this is, you know... This is the research I've done, but yeah. I'm sure someone could say, Kathy, you're off, and I'm just trying to give a brief overall. Just quite possible. Right. Um, so each personality type can be found in psychological literature, and the Enneagram brings them together into kind of like a unified system mm-hmm. and shows how they interrelate to each other. Okay. So, um, so it's like a combination of ancient symbols and modern psychology, um, and the people who use it now are psychologists, business consultants, educators, spiritual directors. I have found, and I don't know about you, Todd, but I have found that there's it definitely began or 
got really big in the churches. Yes. Uh, because I find that they're like when I listen to podcasts about the Enneagram, there's a huge Christian component. For sure. And when I say that, I don't mean it's connected to Christianity in the way that that there's an ideology behind it. What I mean is I feel like the Christian community used it yeah. to identify I, personality. And I think they use it a lot in church groups and things like Got that. It. But it's also very scientific and a lot of businesses use it. Oh, so for sure. it's all over the board. So that's just been something I've noticed, but it's not connected. It's not about an ideology of Christianity. Yes. It's non-denominational. Yes. Um, so let me let me say a few more things sure. about it. Um so unlike most like psychological systems or like personality tests or diagnostic tools that focus on like the problem mm -hmm. side of people, the Enneagram not only talks about the problems, because it does talk about maybe our darkness or the challenges we face, it describes our strengths and our potentials. So um, so no personality type is better or worse. The highs and the lows of every you know human can be found in every type. So a lot of times, and Todd and I'll dive deep into each type, but I have found like in my women's group and also in Team Zen, people get a certain Enneagram number and they'll be like, ugh, I don't like that one. Right. But there is no one that's better than the other. It's, right. And don't let us forget to talk about how they're described and how that can throw people off. Yes. Okay. Um, so it's just basically, I look at it as a system of personal growth. Mm -hmm. So it's a self-awareness, self-understanding tool. Yeah. So, and for me, it's a tool that is flawed. It's a model that is flawed because every model is flawed because it's a model of something that is representing something else. So it doesn't matter what it is. There's, there's, you can always find some holes in it and there's no perfection to it. It's I was more of an say, art. If you turn it around and flip that sentence, cause I know exactly what you're saying, rather than say, this is flawed, let's say this isn't perfection. Yes. Thank you. This is just a, 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 a way mm -hmm. To get to know yourself and what Todd and I have found mm -hmm. is it's helped us build our empathy about how other people see the world. Yeah. Because so much of the time we walk around going, how could someone do that or say that or not do that or not say that? And it's because that's not their focal yes. point. That's not their direction. So a few things. I'm I'm almost done with a book on the Enneagram called The Road Back to You, which I think is good. It does have some Christian kind of backdrops to it. Because it was written by because someone. Because it was written mm -hmm. by people who practice Christianity. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like it. Um, but for those of you who might get turned off by talk, talking about God or heaven, then maybe this isn't your book. But The books that I have are much more straightforward yes. as, far as, as far as here's how you do the yes. Enneagram. And I could name you five of them. All you have to do is go on Amazon. There's so many the books. There's so many podcasts. Yeah. So like we're going to talk about the Enneagram in one single podcast. Correct. There's like dozens of podcasts that have hundreds of episodes. And that's all they talk about. That's all they talk about is the Enneagram. Enneagram. So, but geez, these are a few of the highlights that I did at the intro. Once you know your Enneagram number, and we're going to talk about what that means, it takes away any excuse you might have for not changing. Now you know too much to cop the, this is just who I am, so deal with it, okay? Well, I kind of don't get that. It's basically saying it's giving you a um, an idea. So like we have all nine numbers and you yeah. align yourself with one of these numbers. And within each number, there's both light gold and, and shadow, uh -huh. light and dark. So it's just kind of an introspection of instead of you're saying, well, this is hey, I'm a three, so this is just the way I am. Instead, it's saying, I'm a three, so let me figure out how I do what I do. Now I understand. Um, your number is not determined by what you do as much as it is by how, about why you do it. And how you do it? Not, not how, but why. But why, okay? okay. And it will help you identify your type. 
if you think back to, so if you were to take a test, uh-huh. it will help if you think back to of when you were 20 years old. And that's a tricky thing for me because when I took the test as a 47-year-old man, I took it as a 47-year-old man. And if you are to take a test, you it helps to think back of when you're in your 20s. Because uh, even though your personality type never changes, it's never more clear than in your early adulthood. Got it. All right. It's never more clear your type than in your early adulthood. Okay. Um, And then last two, real quick. Don't expect to identify with every single feature of your number as we go through these numbers. You won't. Just be on the lookout for the one that comes closest to describing who you are. Yes. If it's any comfort, it takes some people several months to explore the numbers and gather feedback from others before they feel confident in identifying their type. And then lastly, the Enneagram does not put you in a box. It shows you the box you're already in and how to get out of it. So that'll be good. So on that, you know, Todd and I will just kind of drop things that we've learned along the way as we're talking about this. But like what he just said about understanding your number and that not everything is going to fit. There are, I've listened to so many podcasts about it. And the one that I really liked, the Jen Hatmaker one, where she's talking to the guy who wrote The Road Back to You. He talks about how it took him years to figure out his correct number, that a lot of people walk around thinking they're a certain number. Mm -hmm. And then the more work they do and the more they kind of parse out things, they're like, oh, wait. And like, even with, for those of you who you may not know who Jen Hatmaker is, she is a writer. Um, she's somewhat of an activist too. Um, I was telling Todd, she reminds me a lot of Glennon. I've been following her writing for a long time. Um, Glennon Doyle. Glennon Doyle, who was our speaker last year. But anyway, even Jen, who has like done the Enneagram, who like did it so long ago, is still trying to figure out if she's an eight. Or what did he say? He was like going back and forth. He's like, are you sure you're not a blah, uh, blah, blah? Three, eight or a three. An eight or a three. And she was, through the whole podcast, they were like going Struggling through. Struggling with it. And he's such a master at it that he was like, okay, when you do that, why do you do that? Mm-hmm. So that's Todd and my point about this is not just a quick personality test like where you do it on BuzzFeed. Yeah. If you're going to do that, you may as well not yeah, do it. Right. This is really something that you, if you want to pull any value out of it, you're going to have to take some time uh, to do it. And then the only other thing I'll, I'll, I'll say before I ask you to kind of quickly go through sure. all nine, uh, at least read what they're, what they are and what they're called mm-hmm. is w- the reason that this has been helpful to me as I've kind of taken a deep dive in the last month or so is it's given me a stronger ability to be empathic towards my boss, my wife, my customers, my kids, because I, <laughs> I mean, I knew this before, but after going through all this Enneagram stuff, I'm like, well, how come you can't be more like me? Like before I'm like, just be like me, like just practical, you know, logic, practical. Think the way I do. Think the way I do. And this has taught me like they can't Mm -hmm. because that's not who they are. And it's like, duh, that's empathy. But, but this has kind of given it some, some foundation for me to more, to be able to empathize better. And nor are they supposed to be like you, and nor should they be like yeah. you. So for parents, and that's majority of people who listen to this show, um, or I know we have a, t- a lot of teens and college students who listen to this show, like you can then think about how your parents are yeah. different than you. You have to recognize that not everybody sees the world the same way. Like Todd and I started having fun talking about movies. Like we started talking about how in Lady Bird, the mom and the daughter were different numbers, yes. which is why they couldn't, you know, so well, maybe we'll use this in pop culturing yeah. eventually. Um, but, you know, it really is interesting to see how sometimes we're so 
frustrated by someone and once we recognize what their number is or what their focus or what their what their desires are mm-hmm. then we're like oh that makes total sense yeah. so you want to go through each yeah. one and just just to uh, restate what you already said is um, we're all all nine of these personality yes, types good but point. there's one that you most strong it's kind of like love languages yeah. a little bit you identify with one. Uh, you identify with at least the love languages you identify with one or two with this the way I guess it's been taught to me is you identify with a single one and then there's wings, but we won't get into that right now. Well, and that's, you know, that's another thing in here is that it really is what you're, what the number is helping you find is your essential self. What Todd said is all nine numbers, we have all nine of them. So it's not like if you're a certain number, then you have no idea what it's like to be another number. You, We all have components of each other. It's mm-hmm. part of humanity. Yeah. So, every, But everybody has a unique, essential self. And so part of it is personality, and part of it is who we came in the world to be. And this was a really important one, Todd. Yep. Part of it is what we developed in childhood mm-hmm. to feel as if we belonged. Yeah. Which yep. I think can be kind of interesting when you're taking the test, like what coping mechanisms, what strategy d- did you use to survive? Mm-hmm. And when I say survive, I don't mean it like on the hierarchy, like you didn't have any food. Some people didn't. Sure. But I mean it like, what did you figure out helped you belong? Yeah. So there's like, the, there's the, the DNA that you come in with, the genetic material, the, the soul that you come in with, which this is how I view it, mm-hmm. the DN, the, your genetic your soul, and then how did you figure out how to cope? Yeah. And those are, I think, what become your number. So what I think, and this is a question I've posed to you and a few other friends, is is it hardwiring or is it cultural conditioning? And your answer is it's both. All of them. It's both. But I also say you can't, and this is something I am still kind of sifting through, is your number doesn't change, which I find hard to believe, but I'll be okay. I'm okay with it. I just need you and everybody to say, it's weird that, you know, that it doesn't change because people change. I don't know. But you can change. Remember, okay, this is, this is, this is a good question, Todd, because this kind of gets us deeper into your number. Think about the things I just said, your DNA, which Mm -hmm. doesn't change your soul, which is what I believe you come in with. And for those of you who maybe that word doesn't resonate, what I mean is if you have three children, you know, they're all different, right? But maybe they came from you and your partner or the same, you know, the same parents that raised in the same home, but they're different. Mm -hmm. So how is that? Well, and and more exaggerated example is any twins because they literally share the exact same DNA. Yeah. And they're in the womb together and all those things, but they are different people. And so there's a soul Mm -hmm. that we come in with, which is our essence. And then when you are in childhood, usually zero to five ages, how did you figure out how to cope? So it's the three together. So when you hear that, does that make sense about how you're not going to change your number? You are going to learn how to broaden your number. And remember what Richard Rohr, um, Todd and I listened to a Richard Rohr podcast this weekend. He's like our uh, spiritual godfather. Oh my gosh. For those of you who know Richard Rohr, you know what I mean. But for those of you who don't, his last name is spelled R-O-H-R, and you must read his books, and listen to his podcasts. The most recent one we listened to was his conversation with Oprah. He's had several, but the most recent one that I think like posted in May or June. And one of the things he was talking about 
is, I don't know if I can do this as eloquently as he can, um, but he was talking about how there are some levels of understanding that we have, and he was talking about Christianity specifically because he's a, a, a monk. Franciscan monk? Yeah. No, uh, is that right? I'm sorry. A Franciscan monk. I think that's right. Yeah. And he was talking about some people's understanding of Christianity is like a kindergarten version, mm-hmm. and he didn't mean any disrespect by that. He's not saying they're not smart. What he's saying is they have a very basic understanding. Sure. They have understanding of dogma, mm-hmm. but somebody who has like a, a deeper understanding of Christianity where they live it, where they understand the theology, the history, where they practice it, that's a more heightened awareness or like a graduate school level. Well, and I'll kind of jump on that, like for any number, like let's say a three, which is known as the achiever or the performer, there is a mature version of the three. Correct. There's an average version of the three, Correct. which is when you're kind of battling between your gold and your shadow or your light and your dark. And there's a, an immature version where you're usually working from shadow correct, or from the dark place. So it's like Richard Rohr's language is like a kindergarten version yes. where you're just kind of starting and you're like, this is just who I am, yeah. you know? And then like you said, as we as we expand into our number, we see all the pieces, but we relate differently to them. Well, and some, some 90-year-olds are still practicing from the immature place. Yes, it's got nothing to do with age. And some young kids like Maddie J. Stepanek yes. was... The most enlightened version of version. whatever number he happened to be. Mm-hmm. So okay. okay, so okay, so there's nine types. Type one is um, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. And what do they call that? The reformer. Number? The reformer. Do you want to know some famous ones? Yeah, let's hear some famous ones. Some famous ones. Um, and I purposely got, um, at least in some of these, some good quote unquote. People that we maybe admire and yes, people we don't you. admire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then um, another, some other people call it the perfectionist. Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. She's kind of precise. And, yeah, very much so. Uh, Gandhi, and that's yeah. where the reformer comes in. Yeah. Michelle Obama. Yeah. Reformer. Mm-hmm. Margaret, Thre- Margaret Thatcher, Nelson Mandela, and Jerry Seinfeld. I can see all of it. Right? And look at that group of people. They're all so different. So principled purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. Now, all of you can now see how a one has a darkness with being too perfectionistic, Mm -hmm. but then their light is amazing. Richard Rohr is a reformer. I was just talking about him. That's a one. So do you see how if you are focusing on, if someone says to you, oh, type one is a perfectionist, it makes you go, ugh. Mm -hmm. But if you say, no, type one is a change maker. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, I can do that. Uh, a few things about the one that I pulled up. If you happen to parent a one, uh, make sure you correct them when no one else is around so you don't shame them in front of others. That makes sense. Um, you want ones to be the to pilot your airplane that you're flying on yeah. American Airlines. You want them to be the engineer who designs the building that you're in. Thank goodness. You want them to be the pharmacist who fills your prescriptions. Yes. You want them to write the code for your company's new website. You want them to be the architect drawing up plans for your dream house. The accountant, like precision. Yes. You know what I mean? That, that That's the way they view the world too. They find that to be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It's where they're drawn. Okay. Mm-hmm. So type two, what's uh, type two the, is called the helper. Yep. Uh, do you know any helper, sweetie? <laughs> I do. Uh, generous, demonstrative, people pleasing, and possessive. So type two is considered the helper giver, um, and that is uh, that's my number, yep. which is why Todd said that. So wh- who are some famous um, twos? Fred Rogers. Oh, that makes me happy. Desmond Tutu, Princess Diana, uh-huh. Mother Teresa, and it says T-Swizzle. 
I believe that. Taylor Swift. Uh huh. But what's weird about where I got this information from, Taylor Swift showed up in two or three of them. So. I was going to say, Princess Diana has shown up in different numbers yes. too. So we're, we, obviously we don't, we're, we weren't with Princess Diana when she took her test. Right. Like we don't know this for fact. A lot of people who have studied it long enough can perceive these things in other people and probably just put something on them. Can I tell you a few things about the two, even sure. though you are a two? Yeah. Twos need to be needed. Yes. They rely on other people needing them to bolster to bolster their fluctuating self-worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, for twos, words of appreciation border on the intoxicating. Yes. That is my and that is my love language, words. E- expressions of gratitude like what would I do without you yes. or you're a lifesaver. Todd, you have to say that to I me. I know, I'm screwing it up. I know Todd's screwing it up. I'm always like, Todd, tell me, tell say me. that you're glad to see you. Yes, I'll give Todd a sentence to say to me. You don't have to tell twos <laughs> what you require, they just know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is they assume everyone has the same ability to sense other people's inner life as well. <laughs> this can lead to arguments that begin with someone throwing his hands up in the air and saying, I'm not a mind reader. How was I supposed to know what you wanted? And and with the two storming out of the room, yelling over his shoulder, I'm tired of having to tell you what I need when you should just know. Okay, so this is really funny because we don't have these arguments of like throwing our hands in the right. air. We've known each other way too long and have worked through this. But... Um, Yesterday, I was trying to explain to Todd how all my children have been really affected by Stranger Things and the, sh- the TV show. Um, my older two have watched it already, but my younger one is now in season two and is kind of watching it slowly with us and how they're emotionally affected by the relationship between Eleven and Mike. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of explaining to him that I had the same experience, that it's a, it's kind of hard to describe, but there's this level of depth where it's really sad and hard and difficult and beautiful. Yeah. And that when you feel all those emotions at once, it can kind of make you feel heavy. And so I, when like Cameron, you know, struggled with that for a while, I did. Um, and so Skylar was kind of sharing some of that and Todd was like, you mean like they're afraid of the monsters? Like you were, you couldn't get to the core. So spoiler alert. Okay. The way that season two ends. Okay. Spoiler alert. Anybody who hasn't seen season two, walk away for a second. Walk away for a second. Um, L closes the gate. Right. And then there's some high school dance uh-huh. at the end, which I barely remember at all. <laughs> so for me, it's when Elle closed the gate. That's the only thing I remember. And for you, it was what? Well, two things. When she comes back and walks in that door and Mike walks forward and is like, oh my gosh, Of the she's high school here. dance. No, no. It's the second to last episode. Oh, that one. When she walks in and it's like slow motion. Yeah. And then the closing the gate, then being able to go to the dance. Yeah. And it's it's an emotion that so, is hard to describe. So words, I just remember like... For me, the big stuff, like the the event of her closing the gate, and for you, it was the interpersonal. Correct. Right. So that is a that's a dumb pop culturing example. It just just so happened happened yes it happened yesterday, which is why I bring it up. But these are discussions that Todd and I have all the time, where I'm like, "Don't you understand that people are feeling this way?" And he'll say, "No, I don't." Yeah. And and it's not because he doesn't have empathy for people. He doesn't feel that well, kind of We're going to get to me in a second because okay. I happen to be the next number. Okay. So should I move on to three? No. Um, oh, last oh. thing about twos. Okay. They feel things deeply and it's easy for them to express emotions. Yes. What you might not know is that most of the feelings two have are not their own. Correct. Twos feel what you're feeling. Correct. It doesn't take long for the children of a two to figure out what, figure out that mom and dad feels their feelings more than their own. You know, yes. they feel their... Yes. But once they do, it's like they're playing poker with house money. I don't know what that means. And then lastly, all of the numbers in the feeling or heart triad, 
and we'll, maybe we'll talk about that, reject the idea that they can be seen for who they are and unconditionally loved. So they abandon their true selves to inhabit their roles. And so, that, that is the immature too, which I have definitely been before. Yes, yes. And, all, and all of us can easily go back to that immaturity if we get into a spot where we're uncomfortable. Yes. Okay. So now so, you can move to number okay, three. So type three is, it is called the achiever. Um, adaptable, and this is a word that I want to focus on with you because you are very adaptable. Yes. Um, excelling, driven, and image conscious. Success oriented, and some people I think pragmatic, and some people I think call it instead of the achiever, the performer. Yes. And, and so funny is like with my own ego, I'm like, no, no, I want to be the achiever. I don't want to be the right. performer because the performer seems fake to me. And whereas performance. If I use the word performance, that means like performance at work. Right. So Todd is a three. So I'm going to throw you some very random, weird, famous examples of threes. Oh, can't wait. Kim Kardashian. Okay. She's successful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Smith. Yeah. Successful. This is going to sound weird. Ted Bundy. Well, for sure. Right. He's, yeah, he's very driven. Right. See, and this is the thing: is this isn't about work. That's what. I, that's why I want to keep these. You know, Ted Bunny is like the, one of the worst of the worst. Yes. This is not about good or bad. No. This is about your personality yes. style. Yeah. And your essence. Uh, Lady Gaga, success driven. She may not be a three. I think she's a two with a three wing. Uh, Oprah. Yeah, I can see that. Now our president showed up on three of these, but he's on the three. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. Dwayne Johnson is a good three. Yes. He's yes. all over the place. Like yes. you can't turn on the TV without seeing this guy. Everywhere. And Tony Robbins, one of my favorite teachers. Of course. Um, so anyways. Okay. So type three. So I just wanted to focus on that word adaptable because sometimes Todd, even though he has taken the test enough to know he is truly a three. Mm. And I think the discussions we've had, I've tried to go back into childhood and say, think about that was your coping. Yeah. Not only did you come in the world that way and that's important to you. Yeah. And this is why Todd and I owning a business together, we tend to uh, conflict in what we want. Yeah. Um, we always find a good, it's interesting that we're right next to each other because I'm a two with a three wing and you're a three with a two wing. So we can hear each other. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll talk about wings in a second. But we, what I want and what Todd wants tend to be very different things. And sure. we have to meet in the middle. So next one. Um, are you going to a four? Yes. Oh, I'm just kind of, let's just keep going with, I have a few more things on the threes. Go ahead, hun. Especially because it's you. Threes have more difficulty, difficulty recognizing and connecting to their feelings than any other number on the Enneagram. Hmm, I'm raising my hand as high as you possibly can right now. Mm -hmm. Not only do they not pick up on their own feelings, they won't pick up on yours very well either. Mm -hmm. Remember how we saw in the last chapter of the twos, twos may be clueless about their own emotions, but can zero in on yours with the accuracy of a Doppler radar. Threes are just playing in the dark about feelings. Okay, Lady Gaga is not a three. Okay. That so woman cries at every concert I go to. America is a threes country. Countless numbers of us look at threes and think, man, I wish we were him or her. For real. Um, and then three more things. Let's see. Um, threes, heart, threes heart is their work. So whatever feeling they have... Uh, are used to are used towards accomplishing a goal or a task and not much left over for other people. Yeah. For me, this is me trying to crank out some emails instead of read to my daughter. Correct. Whereas you I can't crank you're out You're going to go yeah. read to your daughter. Yeah. And that's not I'm not excusing my behavior. I am an at certain times an un an average 3. Mm -hmm. I think a mature 3 would realize that about themselves. And there's times when I do go read to my daughter instead mm -hmm. of crank out the emails. But my default is 
how can I be more productive? Well, and that's what I was going to say. And how can you be productive even in relationships? What can I drive you to? Mm. Um, you know, when can I see my dad? Uh, what do the girls need from me? Should I pick up the paper towels? Yep. So you contribute to the relationship, but not necessarily in the way that that is detected in someone's what their emotion. Like I know... You know, like last night, I kind of was like, go into her room because uh, Skyler was like, can can you have dad come in? Sure. And you were doing emails. And I said, Todd, can you come up? And it always takes you about 15, 20 minutes, yeah. which I know from an emotional level is hard on her. Yeah. And what that does is then she comes in and asks me where you are. So it ends up being hard on me. Right. So you're like, I'm driven, I'm busy, mm-hmm. affects the emotional experience For of everybody sure. else. For sure. And, and it's something that I need to continue to work on myself through. And I can go too far the other way where I'm like, I can't do any of those things because everybody here needs me. Right. And that's not... Not always true. No. Meaning someone will say, mom, will you come up here? And I will drop everything Stop what you're and doing. run up the stairs. And there's times when the kids should not have our ability to come support them right. every single time. Right. Most of the time, sure. Right. But they also need times when mom and dad aren't around and let's let them work through something. It's best if I'm literally not around to be not around. That's why I want you to leave when you're trying to work. Correct. I agree with that. Um, two last things about threes. Richard Rohr observes, the saddest number on the Enneagram is an unsuccessful three. Oh. One whose ambitions were greater than their talent. I would add that it's heartbreaking to meet threes in the second half of their life who never woke up to their own game. Oh. And then lastly, because status matters so much to threes, and this is what I struggle with a little bit, so do status symbols. So when they build equity, they find out which toys messages, success in their settings, and go get them. If they're investment bakers or pro athletes, it might be boats or second homes or Teslas. If they're social justice advocates, they'll wear extra tattered clothing as part of a campaign to showcase their community to living in, a, in solidarity with the poor. Well, I wouldn't put you in either of those categories, but you do wear a lot of Zen Parenting Radio gear. True. That's totally true. Like he will, will be going somewhere and he'll be like, I got to put on my hat. Yeah. I got to put on my tribe hat. For I sure. got it. So you do like to show off what you do. Well, and what I think is interesting about this example that the author, Ian Crone is the name of the, the author of this book. And it's really, I really like him as a writer, um, that it's not about just the boats and the second homes. It could be about wearing really beat down clothes. Right, Cause you want to identify with that group. you want everybody mm-hmm. to see yeah. that you don't. Yeah have any possessions. And that is a status. Well, and you, let me point this out because I say this about you all the time. You are, um, you've always been a a good looking guy. You're a nice looking guy and you are even at 47 years old. You still have all your hair, you're, you know, and you like to be like downplay yourself. You like to you like, I don't care what I look like. I'm not going to shower. I'm going to throw on this hat. You still look fine because you're a guy and you're, there's like, that's the blessing of being a guy. You don't have to do all those things, but there's this piece of you that wants to demonstrate you don't care. I know, but it's, but the, I feel like I, in this regard, I live in polarity. So I'm either going to significantly downplay it and not take showers and wear a bed and have a bed head when I go eat. Mm-hmm. Because the opposite, that is, hey, everybody, look at me. And, and where's the middle? 
I don't know. I can't find it. And don't you think that's such an achiever kind yes. of thing? Yes. yes. You're like, I'm either going here, I'm yes. going there. Okay. What's a four? Uh, so a four, uh, they call that the romantic? I show, I show up as the individualist. Okay. The, but either one. They're, that's That's, that's the thing. It's not about the, the label. Mm-hmm. It's about the number. Right. Um, the four is expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Now, I don't really love those descriptors because a lot of them feel negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, a four is Sensitive. like- sensitive, a wide open heart and somebody who really finds their place in the world as a unique human being. So it's, I don't, those words can sound heavy. You ready for famous fours? Yes. Kurt Cobain. See, I found Kurt Cobain as a five. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. Prince. Okay. I see that. Judy Garland. For sure. Edgar Allan Poe. Sure. And Angelina Jolie. For sure. Like Angelina Jolie, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one you said. Uh, Judy Garland. Judy Garland. No, there's Edgar one. Edgar Allan Poe, uh, Prince. Prince. Yeah. I can totally see that. And a lot of times performers are fours. So you said, um, so I said the individualist. What's the word that you gave for the four? Um, I said the the romantic. The romantic. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... So fours are, go ahead, you you say. Edward Scissorhands sounded like the perfect movie to take a girl out to see on a first date. Turns out it wasn't for everybody. Fours are the most complex of all the types of Enneagram. What you see is never what you get. There are always more layers of things going on underneath the surface. Their waters run deep. Who am I? What's my purpose? How does the narrative of my life fit into the grand scheme of things? Yes. Uh, fours don't have feelings. They are their feelings. Yes. <laughs> the feelings form the basis of their identity. Who on earth would they be without them? Correct. Fours moods are like fast moving weathered patterns. In the blink of an eye, they can go from up to down, back to average, then plummet, then soar, and finally return to baseline. Uh, fours are known for wearing clothes that set them apart and attract attention. Right. Fours will make it look like they just threw it together, but trust me, it was well thought out. Yes. The unique um, thing. And then lastly, uh, search for authenticity means everything to fours. And they can spot a poser from a mile away. Reading J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye in high school was a watershed moment for me, the author, because I so identified with the main character, Holden Caulfield, contempt for phonies. Yes. And he's a four, right? The, a, author the author is, is a, a four. four. Yeah, that's what yes. I remember. Um, so I've always said to Todd that even though, again, all of us are all nine of these, yeah. remember that. But I, there are pieces of the four that I definitely identify with strongly, even mm-hmm. if I've never really, it's never come up on a test sure. for me. Um, but it is, there's that that um, that desire for authenticity is so that gen that need for genuineness is so strong in yeah. me. But what's interesting is I find that a lot of the fours I know are the ones who dye their hair pink. Mm. They're the ones who get a lot of piercings. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who have a really big tattoos. Not always, but this is what I so found. think about that. Think of the parent whose kid want, is a four. Yeah. And they need to they be need individualized it. themselves. Yes. They need to look different. And if the parents, let's say a one, which is a perfectionist, Correct. the parent is going to go, is really going to struggle with that. Yeah. But if the parent knows that the kid's a four, and this yeah. is why I think this is valuable. Oh, my daughter's a four. Yes. My son's a four. I think we so easily forget, no matter how much empathy is like the foundation of everything you and I talk about. If I know my kid's a four, I will cut 
whatever behavior they have more slack because I know that. Correct. And this is the thing about a four, the, the, the piercings and all the tattoos and everything's that's, that's, um, sometimes in their younger stages of, I need everyone to see it. And sometimes a four who has a really deep knowledge of themselves and a lot of self-awareness, it doesn't need to be external ever anymore. So there's a lot of adult fours who don't require the, they don't need all of that. But sure. when someone's developing into themselves, they're like, I, my uniqueness needs to be on the inside and on the outside. And let me say, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. I mean, this is where we get into the, um, you know, the whole idea of judging. And this is why, again, understanding your number is important. I don't have a tattoo, but all my daughters want one. And I know all of them are going to get one. My sister has one. Your mom had one. Your sister has a bunch. I think they're beautiful because the person who's getting them, it's something, it says something about them. And so I don't look at myself and say, well, I don't need one. So you don't need one. There is, there's a, there's But my shadow says, why are you painting your body? Like that is like, this is my shadow. This is my ego. Right. And the reason they are is because that's who they are. And they they want it's like you putting on a hat. Yeah. They're like, I want this on my skin. Right. Now, of course, again, everybody who's like, No, I got one and I regret doing it. Of course. <laughs> I know. Um, I always feel like someone's talking to me because we get emails and people say these comments to me all the time. Um, I understand that. But for some people, even in that moment, they needed it. Yeah. At that 18-year-old, they wanted it. Mm. And even if at 40, they're like, oh, look at it, and now it's faded. It didn't mean that at 18, they didn't want it. Yeah. So we can have, and I'm not saying let your kids go crazy and get a bunch of tattoos. That's your own family sure. decision-making. What I'm saying is that can it make sense to you why they want it? Mm. Because if you can have that discussion, maybe you can find something else. Like, why don't you color your hair? Or why don't we get you some really interesting jewelry? Yeah. Or Because they want to stand out. Yep. And let them. Let them. Let your kids do that. Um, before we go to the number five, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. I don't know what number he is, but he's our sponsor of the week. You know what? I bet he's one. He, he might be a one. He's I gotta pretty think about precise. Him. Yes, he is. Actually, he it might be right. Yeah. Um, he uh, does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. His number is 630-956-1800. Tell him Kathy and Todd sent you. And uh, rub his bald head. Don't do that. Yes. No, don't do that. I Ask don't think, permission as, first. Ask consent, and then he'll say yes, and then you can rub his bald head for good luck. As a one, I bet he's like, that's all right. <laughs> you can, we'll just pretend that you, I know you want to, but please don't. Okay, what's a, so what's number five. five? Yeah. Number five is considered the thinker, Okay. Um, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. I also have it as the investigator. Yes, and that is Kurt Cobain. Um, yeah. Are uh, you ready for some other famous ones? Yes. Albert Einstein? Yes. Eckhart Tolle? For sure. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber? Yes. You know what's so funny about Eckhart Tolle being number five? Mm. He's he being the thinker, because mm. I'm re-listening to a bunch of his stuff right now. He doesn't, his thoughts are not where he lives. No. He lives in his, in his inner space. Yes. So it's funny to call him the thinker. Keep going. Uh, Bill Gates? Sure. John Lennon? Sure. And Stephen King? I can see all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you want me to go through some bullet points sure. on the, so the investigator, the number five, uh, withholding personal information is a classic trait of fives. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically introverted and analytical fives don't believe they have enough inner resources or energy to meet the demands of life. Uh, fives prefer to observe. Fives can appear to be loners and sometimes they are. They often strike people as emotionally distant 
not entirely present or at home in their bodies, aloof and sometimes intellectually arrogant. Sure. Uh, for Fives, computers and the internet provide another way to avoid interaction with people, which is the last thing they need. Uh, fives aren't ruled by their feelings. Of all the types, fives are the most emotionally detached, which I thought was interesting because, because you I were just saying, kind of felt like the threes yeah. were like that too. Maybe there's some alignment between fives and well, threes. Well, maybe detached is very different than can't feel. Access. Exactly, because they may feel a lot because let's think about Kurt Cobain. Yeah. He he may have needed to detach through addiction and yeah. everything, but he sure felt it. This doesn't mean fives don't have emotions, but go. they want to have control over unpredictable feelings that might threaten sure. or overwhelm them. For example, I won't go no, fives can evolve into magnificent artists. Yes. Georgia O'Keeffe and the actor Anthony Hopkins are both fives. Great. Okay, good. So, um, six. Um, go ahead. Or do you want to do more about five? No. You sure? I'm done. Okay. Uh, number six is considered the loyalist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or the skeptic. Uh, I show the loyalist. Okay, the loyalist. Type six, engaging, responsible. Anxious, suspicious. Um, I have a few loyalists in my life. Um, and Girlfriends, I, right? Yes. And they are all those things. And, and, and again, anxious and suspicious, well, so am I sometimes. Sure. That's not like they're, they have anxiety disorders. It means that there's a little more thought and work and, and sometimes a little cynical. Sometimes like, are you sure this is going to be? But they are also, to, to their word, they are so responsible. They show up. They are... Um, engaged in other people in a productive way, mm-hmm. not in a like caring other people's emotions way, but like literally showing up for people. Yep. Um, I find a lot of my Scorpio friends are this, which is this is getting into astrology. astrology. Yet, yet another model. Well, and that's right? the thing. Astrology, the uh, Myers-Briggs, which is like, you know, I'm an INFP and I don't remember what you are. Um, and so all of these, there's threads of, uh, you know, uh, love languages. Four tendencies. You could, yeah, four tendencies. Tendencies, uh, Gretchen Rubin's thing, like you can kind of find yourself and and figure out how we relate in all these different and ways. And for me, it's just fun. It like it's 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 these are vehicles towards self understanding, exactly, so. and empathy. And so, empathy. what are some other things about sixes? Um, I don't have that much because I actually haven't gotten to that part of the book. But a few famous sixes, some of them are horif- horrible human beings, like. Adolf Hitler and Charlie Manson. Okay, take those off the list for a second. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, Bobby Kennedy, George Carlin. Yeah. Anxious. um, You know, I think of George Carlin, suspicious, like always trying to... Security-oriented type, it says. Yep. Very committed. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So there's sometimes for sixes, safety mm-hmm. is a really big thing. But when you're with a six, you also feel safe. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So because safety is like a big thing for them, you're also, when you're with, you know, there's some uh, people that I, I'm with where I'm like, I know they'll take care of what needs to be taken care of, mm-hmm. or I know they will show up on time. You know, there's like a, and again, we all have this piece of us. Yep. Um, but we there, all have six in we us. All have six in us, but there are, I want to make sure, because sometimes when people get six, they, because some of the words can be kind of like, oh, I don't want to be thought of as anxious, but you're also one of the most responsible and loyal and true people. There's gold and shadow in each one. There's good and bad. There's light and dark. Uh, Sixes are full of doubts and questions. When it comes time to make decisions, they become like the worry prone Star Wars protocol droid C-3PO, we're doomed. 
So I guess they can kind of see the, the they go back and the forth. negative yep. or the cynicism. Mm-hmm. Maybe not cynicism. I don't well, know. Well, there's a bus, blessing to be able to see all the sides yeah. and to also recognize how things can go wrong. Sometimes you need a person to be like, hold on. Yep. Like you may want to have a six on your team yep. at work who says, now have you thought about these potential outcomes? You know, like this is why when you have a milieu or you have a, a team or group, it is beneficial to have every single number. Yep. You know, you need the strengths of everybody. Uh, seven. Okay. Number seven. Uh, seven is, I always remember the seven is Rob Bell. Because yes, I remember he, t- he told us he was seven. And he... Uh, what is the seven called? Entertainer. Enthusiast. Enthusiast. Um, also, n- entertainer is another one. Okay, so seven is spontaneous, versatile, um, and scattered. Mm-hmm. Busy, fun-loving type. Uh, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, scattered. Yeah. And he, I remember when Rob was talking about it, he was saying like he creates new things all the time. And when he's done with something he did last year, he's done. When he wrote a book, he's moving on from that book. He's always creating new things. Um, a few famous sevens. Rob Bell's one Uh of them, our friend, Charlie Sheen. He's he's very enthusiastic. (laughs) I can see it. Jim Carrey. Yes. Uh, Miley Cyrus. Sure. Uh, Benjamin Franklin. Okay. I don't remember a whole lot about him. Robin Williams. Talk sure, about scattered. Sure. You know, it's like sure. it's a whirlwind. But a genius. Uh, and Howard Stern. Yeah. Fun loving. Yeah. Um, so the basic fear of sevens is of being deprived and in plain. I don't know what that means. Basic desire is to be satisfied and content. So, anyways, they want to maintain their freedom and happiness to avoid missing out on worthwhile experiences, to keep themselves excited and occupied and to avoid and discharge pain. So, and that is the part of seven that I really relate to. The piece of seven that's in me is that desire to like keep things fresh and like go off, live from an intuitive place and use gut instinct. Like I find that sevens use their gut a lot. Like I'm going in this direction. I'm doing it at all costs. And I love people like that. You know, people who have so much. And and again, because they have that sparkliness, Mm That like, you know, that Rob Bell stuff, that Howard Stern stuff where they can like keep people in conversation. That's where the entertainer and the enthusiast come in where that can get them through life. Yeah. You know, that it's again, it's an amazing skill. Um, number eight. Go ahead. So eight is uh, the challenger, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The Or the leader, the mm-hmm. challenger, mm-hmm. Uh, self-confident, decisive, willful and confrontational. Yeah. Um. A few famous eights. Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Chelsea Handler. Sure. FDR. Sure. Dr. Phil. Yeah. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. And once again, our president, the, the Donald Trump. Uh, two of my favorite uh, women who I do believe are eights, even though I don't know this for fact, Sarah Silverman and Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Like women who are willing to say what they want, a lot like Chelsea Handler. Yep. You know, like... Uh, confrontational, but confrontational in a way that wakes people up. Mm. They say things that maybe you have a hard time saying. Like the reason I love, and you know, Todd knows this about women who are, you know, like Amy Schumer, Sarah Silverman. I don't, of course I have eight in me. And if you push me to a certain point, I can like, you know, especially for my kids. it's not how you showed up. It is not how I show up. And it's not how you should show up. Um, It didn't come out right. Oh, I don't need to be like you that. You don't need Correct. to be like that. And I don't I don't look at myself and say, hey, I wish I was better and I right. wish I was. But that doesn't mean that you're not in awe of somebody who's an eight. I pull the energy from them. Yeah. When I see some of the things that certain women do and stand up for and say, maybe like even someone like Elizabeth Warren, 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. someone who's like, this is it. Yep. This is what we're doing. Say whatever you want. Yep. You know, leaders of, of you know, any kind of group. Um, Shannon Watts from the NRA. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Um, you know, the, these women who are like that, that's their challenge, their challenger. Yep. They're willing to make society look at things differently. And for that, I am so grateful for them. And I look up to them. Um, a few other things about eights. Eights don't feel like they have to be the person in control. They just don't want to be controlled. Beautiful. Uh, eights want people to challenge them right back. Eights admire strength. Yes. I'm thinking of Eric right now. Absolutely. Uh, they won't respect you if you're not willing to stand toe to toe with them. Um, so he's an eight, right? He's a total eight. Well, and your sister thinks she's an eight. She could be an eight. Yeah, she. I think she's an eight too. Mm-hmm. Um, she because she she can speak to people in such a way, and she wants the discussion. Yeah, she's let's not go. like she's not trying to beat you and win. Let's she's go. like, let's talk. Uh, like most eights, uh, eights live by the fire, aim, ready rule. Love it. Right. Yeah. Um, and we, God, I like, I'm getting goosebumps because man, I need eights in my life. For sure. I need eights as our leaders. Um, and again, you know what an eight needs around them? A two. Yeah. And they need a four and they need a thinker. We all need. We need, do you see how we need all these things? Yeah. And if you are one of these things, which obviously you are, you have to, you get to embrace it and recognize how important you are to the other numbers. If it's it's any consolation when in the silence of their own hearts they realize they've hurt someone they love, some eights will beat themselves up mercilessly. I bet. I bet. And if 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 some if some of what we're saying about the eights resonates with you, yeah, that's because that's the thing is that being confrontational doesn't mean you don't feel. Mm-hmm. You you are confrontational because you feel, and the confrontation is to build health. Mm-hmm. the The dark side is the confrontation is to win. Um, this is interesting because my friend Eric, who's just a very obvious eight, the big problem for eights is confusing vulnerability for weakness. So they rarely let their guard down to allow others to see the fragility or their deep desire to be understood and loved. This is why eights are often attracted to feeling types, two, three, and four, who can help them get in touch and outwardly express their affection. The reason I bring up my friend Eric is actually Eric is a mature eight very mature. in that regard mm-hmm. because he the term that we use uh, is unzip. Mm-hmm. And that's just another word for being vulnerable. He could do it as well as anybody I know. And that's why he's an interesting eight mm-hmm. because eights are some are the opposite of mm-hmm. what I just said, you know, what I just said in there is like, they don't want vulnerability, mm-hmm. but if you are a mature eight, you can, you can unzip, you can be vulnerable. And this is what we were saying before about like, <clears throat> I don't want to go back in time too much. Cause I know Todd and I will go through our numbers a little more if we have a little time, but like one of the things with my number as a two is a lot of times they will say twos are manipulative yep. because they want love and they want to be needed. And that word always makes me go, ugh. like, but I understand in a um, immature to how you do manipulate people for love. Yep. You know what I mean? Like you do try, like, let me take, let me give you a two that is a non-healthy two. Did you, um, Munchausen syndrome, syndrome by proxy. Mm-hmm. That's a very unhealthy two, two. For sure. That's someone who's like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And you are manipulating and hurting someone so you can take care of them. Yes. So do you see how, but if you are a mature two, the whole idea, like I would never 
consciously manipulate somebody, sure. but I understand how you can, even passive aggressiveness is a manipulation tool. For sure. I just don't like that word, you know, because it makes, because a lot of times, especially for twos, it's like, no, I'm trying to love you. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's like, you're trying to manipulate me. So I guess my point is, is that where Eric, like in every number, you can, through self-awareness, evolve some of that darkness. For sure. You still may have impulses there. That's the thing. Every one of these numbers have that impulse. Correct. But if you can do enough work on yourself, nobody's perfect. Me, you, Eric, any Dalai Lama, nobody right. is. Nobody is. Uh, but the Enneagram gives you some more fuel to see where, like for me, I'm a three, and they said, if you're a three, you got to read the book Falling Upward by Richard Rohr, yeah. which is funny because I think you just gave me uh-huh. the journal copy of that. I I'm did. like, oh it my was, God. My mom had it. She the universe it. is just telling me that I got to read this book. But that's it. Like, I want, I want tools. Like, what tools can I go to my toolbox to? improve myself and become more aware of myself so that I can be show up and be the best father, husband. And have an inner connect, uh, contentment and self-acceptance yeah. because that's always really what, especially a two is looking for, is why are we loving people? Yeah. To feel love ourselves. Sure. So a lot of times the belief system of a two is I... I am not worthy unless I'm loving people. Yep. And the only way I'll get love is if I love them first. Yep. Again, that's an immature version mm-hmm. as, you know, this this is that is like kind of old programming that it's like, wait a second, I am worthy of love. I belong. But I still, my impulse is always to be like, how can I be with you? Yep. Okay, Number so nine. let's go on to nine. So the nine is, and this is one that Todd and I always get stuck on um, because the nine's title is Peacemaker. Who doesn't want to be a peacemaker, right? Um, Receptive, reassuring, and this is a key word, complacent and resigned. So a lot of times when people take this test, they want to be a nine. But let Todd and I are going to really go through this so you can hear So this. some other words, easygoing, self-effacing, and agreeable. Yep. Some famous peacemakers, and I don't have any negative ones. Okay. Uh, Dalai Lama, Abraham Lincoln, and Barack Obama. Abraham Lincoln, I don't agree with. Really? I mean, if he says it, he knows more than I do. I don't know. He healed the North and the South. That's what I mean. Like, there's, well, maybe a very evolved nine. That's, he, he, he got us out of the Civil War. Like, how much more peace of a peacemaker can you be? You're right, Todd. I guess what I was looking at is the actions he had to, because a lot of times a nine for all Stand those blessings, they don't do that. Right. They, they are sometimes the person who comes in and says, you're right, right. you're right, you're fine, let's just move on. Yeah. Like a peacemaker can be um, very- Complacent. Complacent, yes. yes. And so they're, everybody loves a peacemaker because they're calming and they're mm. lovely and they're fun and they're, you, you feel that inner, um, uh, it, it, it's, how do I want to say this? It is somebody who's very comfortable to yeah. be around. but. They can also have a difficulty stating their opinion. There's often a hint of resignation in the air around nights. Sadly, they pay a price for their go-along and get-along philosophy yes, of life and not pursuing a life worthy of their gifts and spirit. They fall asleep to their lives. Yes. Uh, average nines have less stamina and energy than any other number on the Enneagram. Uh, when a nine gets sidetracked by a non-essential task or activity, they forget the big picture and no longer seeing any urgency, they just kind of don't move forward. Exactly. So that's the thing is like the nines, um, you know, it's a, it, it is what it is. It's a great number. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a lovely person. I don't think that I, just like the people you read off, I don't think anybody dislikes a nine, but there are, there are pieces to it because, um, 
Todd and I were talking about how sometimes the, even the title of these numbers can make people think that's what I want to be, but you may not. Yeah. Like if you are one of those people like who likes to achieve and you like, you have a lot of ambition, then the nine is not, you know, that's a, that's a different kind of feel. Yeah. So, um, Again, it's it's just one of those we found on Team Zen and in Circle. I found that a lot of people are like, that's what I want to be. That's what I wanted to be. I, Todd wanted to be a nine, yeah. Uh, um, this is interesting in comparison to eights and nines. If eights are too in touch with their gut instincts and overexpression of anger, nines are out of touch with their gut and underexpress their anger. Nines are out of touch with the good side of anger, the part that inspires, drives change, moves things along, and gives them courage to stand up for themselves. When you're unplugged from this side of anger, you become lethargic and dreamy. And that's kind of why I thought like, wow, nine, I have some nine tendencies we for all sure. Do. For sure. For sure. And you know, it's a big deal when a nine stands up and says, I don't agree. Yeah. Like when a nine stands up and says, I can't go along with this. Mm. That's a big deal yeah. because what does a peacemaker want? They want harmony. Yeah. They want everyone to get along. They see the bigger picture. You know, it's a it's it's spiritual gifts, but there's also a an inability sometimes to take a stand. Yep. And we need that too. So if you're a nine, your work is to take a stand. Right. So one of the things to kind of keep this, uh, you know, to, to kind of bring more of a vision to this circle, because again, the Enneagram is in a circle. After you guys listen to this, if you haven't heard about this before, look up what it looks like, because there's all these patterns and it's a, it's kind of a long story. But anyway, uh, two, three, and four are considered feelers. Yep. Um, a five, six, no, is it a one, two, three are considered feelers? No, I think you're right. But... Two, three, and four are feelers. Let me, let me make sure I get this right. Yeah. Two, three, and four are feelers. Five, six, and seven are thinkers and eight, nine, and one are instinctive. So you can say that different ways. You can say two, three, and four are the heart. Five, six, and seven are the mind. Eight, nine, and one are the gut. So what I think is weird about that is as a three. Uh-huh. We just spent five minutes going through the three and how we don't know my, I don't know my feelings, much less your feelings. But you may not understand your own individual feelings, but you act on, um, it's tough. I don't get it. Yeah. Let me, how do, how do we I think you're right. I just don't know. I don't have a deep Like what achievement is, you know, like, you know, achievement drives me to feel good about myself. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So another way that you can break this out um, is that two, threes, and fours, the thing that that bothers them the most that is like drives their fear center is shame. Mm-hmm. Four, five, six, and seven, the thing that kind of hinders them the most is their anxiety. For eight, nine, and one, their greatest challenge is their anger mm-hmm. or their rage. Yeah. So like for an eight, it may be too great. Their rage is too great. But for a nine, it's too passive. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a... It, it, it doesn't mean that uh, two, threes, and fours have a ton of shame. It means that they may not, it, depending on their number, they either use it or they don't use it, or they go too deep into it or ignore it. So the, the as you can see, like Todd and I, this is still surfacy. Sure. You know, everything we're sharing. That's all we're doing is scraping the surface. So to close out, Todd, let's talk about you and I together as a two and a three. Okay. Okay. So... Um, Another part of this, which it, it would take too much time um, to explain, but whatever your number is, usually you have a wing. And what that means is either you to the left or the right of you, you 
carry that number as part of you too. And that kind of changes your personality where like I'm a two with a three wing. So that means I'm a helper, but I've got a lot of ambition. Yeah, A two and a one wing is someone who is definitely a helper, but they're more focused on the task at hand. There's more of a um, getting things done. They're kind of a behind the scenes kind of leader. Right. Um, so, you know, the perfectionist and that. So, and Todd, you are a three with a two wing, which is a helper, right. correct? So Todd, like I said, Todd and I have this overlap. Um, so some things that it says, uh, twos and threes, this is you and me. Yeah. We're both sociable, friendly, and optimistic. Twos, however, are also sensitive and motivated by a desire to be loved, mm. correct? Threes are success-oriented and adaptable, and you're driven by the need for value. Mm -hmm. So- just to give you an example with Zen Parenting Radio, I'm very focused on how we can... Todd's very focused on marketing and finance. Yes. And I am not. Yep. That's that's the best way that I can say it. But do you understand why I need Todd? In the, I always say, he's the ground, he's the grounding, and I'm the air, even though really I'm a fire, but that's a whole different thing. Yep. We need... If, if I didn't look at marketing and finance, if I was like, that is not important, we wouldn't have a business. Mm -hmm. If you didn't deal with the technicalities of producing and understanding how to do this, we wouldn't have a business. Yep. Now, if you only focused on that, we wouldn't have a show. Right. So like, I need to bring in the emotion and the sensitivity and, and the things that Todd has in him too, because I am also a good marketer. Mm -hmm. So it's a... Why I'm give, using us as an example is if you are very different from your partner. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Sometimes you need both. And it doesn't, I, I listen, I've been listening to all these podcasts and, on the Enneagram and there's a couple, I told you about this and it was a husband and a wife and they're both ones, which is perfectionist. Interesting, interesting. And, and it doesn't matter if you're married to a, if you're a one and you're married to a nine or a five or if you're married to a one, like none of that really no, matters. It doesn't it's matter. just... It's just there's different set of challenges and and ease that comes with it. Think about two ones; they're both perfectionists. Right? How easy would that right. be? Right. Their house is really clean. Uh, but I would say that maybe some of the problems that they have is I think is their Perel is that you also need polarity. Correct. So they may struggle with a little bit of that. Yeah. So, anyways, the, or competition with each other. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so there's no right or wrong person you're supposed to match up with. It's just insightful. Well, like for this, for example, how can twos and threes resolve conflict? Like you and I resolving conflict. Um, we need to discuss personal issues. Honestly, twos share their own perspective openly. Um, and it says, if you want to talk to a three, avoid using overly emotional language, like try and just share openly. Threes should avoid being critical or harsh of the two when they're offering their own point of view, but they should listen and allow the space for the person to talk. So it's like, do you understand how then this is just another opportunity for you to be like, okay, what does my partner really need? But even with that, it's nuanced because there's of been course. times when I create so much space, you're like, hello, right. because anybody you check in out. there? Because, and here's why. <laughs> okay, I said, I'm listening. I'm creating space. I know you are, but you are, you, you are like, okay, how do I explain this with, because I can feel and see what you're doing. You are going through a checklist of now I need to create space and back up. And you, you step out of this feeler place where I'm done talking yeah. and you just keep staring at me. And I'm like, now is your turn. Yeah. 
and you're kind of like, okay, what's next on the checklist? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I say, I hear you. Now I'm exaggerating everyone. You guys know Todd's more eloquent than that, but that's what it feels like sometimes is you are walking through a checklist with me of things to appease me. Yep. And that's not, and so that's you tapping into your emotional sense. You got to tap into your intuitiveness, yep. your um, intuition. Intuition, yeah. Um, can I say a few things to close out the show? Please go ahead. Uh, Team Zen, we just did a uh, Zen talk number 63. We talked about negative energy, judgment, and disappointment. We have another one coming up on Thursday, September 5th, where we're going to talk about the Zenneagram. Right. So if you're interested, um, you know, 25 bucks, um, and you get 63 other podcasts that you can listen to the minute you sign up for it. Facebook community, we're going to have John Duffy on in late September, early October. Uh, you get discounts off the conference amongst many other things. So check that out. Um, and then, uh, we have some iTunes reviews, my darling. Okay. Uh, one is informative, supportive, and non-judgmental. That's from Good. Mariel. Thank you, Good. Mariel from, uh, the United States of America. Uh, high Vibrations from Gabe in Minnesota. You've already read that one. I have. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, It's Okay. It's Okay. Hold on. I got Where's my thing? Uh, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's weird, it's, this person did give us three out of five right, stars. Right, that's still nice. Still, I mean, That's even like though, a C plus or a B minus. The, the thing that sucks about iTunes is that you, even if someone's being fully honest, and they're like, well, I liked it, so I'll give it a four, that it takes down your rating so much, which is fine. Like what was interesting, you don't have to read everything about what this person said, but one of the things that they commented on was you talk so much about pop culture. Shouldn't we be like not wanting to be like famous people? Shouldn't we not be trying to emulate what they do? And what's so interesting, and and if the person who wrote that is listening, is I'm not trying to emulate famous people, nor do I look up to actors and say, I want to be like them. What I'm interested in is art and how a movie or a television show or a book or poetry helps me understand my own life. So the actor is just a piece of that puzzle, but I'm not interested in their fame. Right. I don't, it, it, and Todd will tell you, I'm very not interested in fame. Yes. Um, that is not something, but so I'm, that might be a misreading of what, why we love pop culture. For me, pop culture is the art that helps me feel like I belong in the world. And, um, and so for anybody, you know, for anybody who listens to our show, that's why Todd and I on this show on Zen Parenting Radio and on our other podcast, Pop Culturing, we use the simplicity of movies and television to help us understand ourselves better. And some movies do a great job at it and some movies don't, but we're trying to, you know, access that place. And for some that doesn't work. Yep. Like for some, they're like, you know, I'd rather read a book of poetry to understand myself. I totally get it. Yep. Like, and that's, and, and for that person, we, we might just be okay, but you know what? It's okay. It's okay to be okay. That's right. Um, next week we're going to have Duffy on. We're going to announce our speakers at the beginning of the show. And, um, we got pop culturing, um, Shawshank. Shawshank next week, but not, not this week. Not this week. Not this week. And then uh, Todd Adams coaching guys. If you want to get coached, uh, we can do it online. First session's free. Check it out, toddadamscoaching.com. And if you want to take the Enneagram test for yourself, just just Google. There's a bunch of them. And I would suggest taking it again and again and then doing some study and getting a book and listening to some podcasts. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Or join Team Zen and we'll yes. take a deep dive with him. All right, guys. Too. See you next week. Adios. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Hey, we just launched our new podcast, Pop Culturing. It's Generation X look at movies, TV with a focus on personal growth and self-awareness. Basically, it's the flip side of ZPR. We break down key moments and little known facts and discuss what it means to be human. It's the podcast we've been searching for so we decided to create it ourselves. Yes. Did you know, Todd, that we have a third podcast? I did not know that. We do. It's called Zen Talks, and it's included with Team Zen membership. You get access to all the Zen Talks, the podcast, and that's we have like 60 and counting, access to a community Facebook page where you can ask us your personal questions, and you have access to a parenting community so you will never feel alone again. Within Teams, then there are smaller groups like Raising a Differently Wired Kid or Raising Teenagers. Just don't do parenting alone. Join Team Zen. Hey, we want to tell you about an exciting weekend workshop we have coming up on October 25th through the 27th at the Majestic 1440 in the California Redwoods near Santa Cruz. For more details, go to uh, zenparentingradio.com. Invite us to speak to your organization or your school about sex ed in the 21st century. It's the most important communication that parents can have with their kids, but it's not happening nearly enough. Email Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com or go to ZenParentingRadio.com to submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our other upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop Amazon, you can help us out by going to our Amazon link under support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon guys two things i have a coaching practice and it's called toddadamscoaching.com check it out and i also have a tribe men's group and in the past it's always been um in person but we now have a virtual community we do at least one virtual call a month and it's awesome check it out go to tribemensgroup.org It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Don't forget to put next year's ZPR conference on your calendar. It's February 28th and 29th. Boom. Um, And finally, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. He has a company called Avid, painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Thank you, Jeremy. And thanks to all of you listeners for your love and support. And for goodness sakes, just keep on trucking.